What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Libido, desire, arousal. It's easy to use these terms interchangeably, but while they're related, they each have a unique meaning and role in sex and pleasure. Today, you'll learn about the differences and how to get the most out of all three. We'll also explore the benefits of PIV sex, aka vaginal intercourse, and how to get in better sync for better sex with a partner. I'm so pleased to be joined by Susan Bratton, the author of 34 books, including Sexual Soulmates, Relationship Magic, Dirty Talk, and How to Be Instantly Hotter and Sexier, publisher of titles such as The Steamy Sex Ed Video Collection, The Passion Patch, and Revive Her Drive. She has an enormously popular YouTube channel, has appeared on most major TV networks, and advocates for sexual wellness, passionate lovemaking, and bedroom communication skills. Later in the show, with Dr. Megan Fleming's help, we will explore a question from a listener who wishes her partner would initiate sex more often, especially as they move toward marriage. Before we dive in, a huge sponsor shout out to The Pleasure Chest, my favorite place to shop for sex toys, sexual health products, and more. Stop by a store in LA, New York, or Chicago, or start shopping now at the link in the show notes on your app. Thank you so much for joining me, Susan. The minute I saw the name of your podcast, Girl Boner, I was like, that is my home. (laughs) Come home to mama, because I'm all about the clitoral erection. Mm. I mean, that is so much of an unknown, vast potential territory of pleasure for women. Uh, Women are just starting to understand their clitoral structure and what's in their vulva, but they don't even really understand their erectile function yet. I think female erectile function is something that we're going to look back at 10 years from now and go, how could we not have thought about the fact that girl parts and boy parts being the same need the same amount of blood flow? It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, even the fact that the clitoris was not in medical texts for years and years and years and years. And so many people still think it's just the little button, yeah. which is a really important part. The tip of the part, iceberg, right? right? And it's beautiful part. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much more to it. Definitely. I really appreciate your enthusiasm. It comes across in everything that you do. Nah. You're one of the most vivacious sex experts <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> so that you feel passionate about boners and clitoral boners and girl boner makes me very happy. I like happy. all boners of all kinds. <laughs> there's not a boner I don't like. Boners are beautiful. <laughs> I am with you on that. So let's talk about libido, desire, and arousal. Yeah. Tell us what they are. Well, one of the things that I've been doing this year, I'm actually right in the middle of it, August, is uh, I put on something called the Sexual Vitality Summit. I gathered, because for the last 15 years, I've been focused on passionate lovemaking techniques, creating online programs where people could learn how to have deep, heart-connected, very passionate lovemaking. Uh, and so I've, I've done all kinds of exploration. I, I call myself an orgasmonaut. I go out to the farthest reaches of, or, of orgasmic space and time and to come back and show you the map 
to how to get there yourself. Do you have an outfit? Because I really want to see you in your of orgasm. Of course I do. It's a silver one piece that zips very low down the front. <laughs> that is my Space Galaxy suit. Yeah, I, I actually do. I get dressed up in crazy costumes on my YouTube channel because I love, I, I love to entertain. And people get edgy about sexuality, as you know. And so the more I can disarm and charm, the more, you know, and when you put on a Bavarian barmaid outfit or a police officer outfit or an astro astro woman outfit, it just makes people a little, you know, more open to the conversation. So I did a whole series on sexual energy from space. Every set is a different spaceship. I have like a whole series. I think there's seven videos from different spaceships. <laughs> Fascinating. I love that. Totally creative. Yeah, it's very unique. It's another because sex ed tends to be really awkward for a lot of right. people. When you, when you said vaginal linear course, you know, it, yeah. like it, w- that's what it is. Penis and vagina, right. coitus, intercourse, va- you know, vaginal intercourse, penetration orgasms, orgasms from intercourse. You know, uh-huh. All those words are good, but they don't sound that sexy. How about, I don't I don't know. We'll have to come up with some new words. If you yeah. came up with girl boner, you can come up with some new words, that's August. That's true. I am and sure. PIV is a good one. Penis and it's vagina. Okay. It's all right. And sometimes I say Why DIV, does the penis go first? dildo, or a toy. Yeah, DIV. That's true. Well, I guess good. you could say V first, but then yeah. what would it be? It would be vagina welcomes vagina well <laughs> vagina enveloping penis W T for toy. <laughs> that works too. Um, so so libido. Yeah. So what happened was I had done all the bedroom. I had done all the the kind of orgasm techniques, and I had have all these programs: expand her orgasm tonight, female liquid orgasm, the multi orgasmic lover, keep her coming. You know, uh, squirt your heart out. You know, all these programs. And then I said, okay, here's the problem: people need bedroom communication skills. So that's when I got into all the communication skills, the uh, sexual soulmate pact, and all the the sexual soulmate series that I did. And then I went, oh, okay, now here. Here's the problem. What I'm missing is this is a three-legged stool. Our sexuality is a three-legged stool. The third leg of the stool is sexual health and wellness. Because if you have vaginal pain, if you have erectile dysfunction, if you've got herpes, if you've got, you know, whatever, it might have been shame, vulvodynia, UTIs, cystitis, you know, la, 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 it goes on and on and on, then we got to fix that. So over the years, I've just incre- incremented my knowledge. And this year, I put together something called the Sexual Vitality Summit. It's at sexualvitalitysummit.com. And I interviewed my dream team of functional doctors, naturopathic doctors, sexologists, and tantra teachers, tantra trainers, talking about libido. And what I realized in the process of talking to people about libido that I really decided that there was this distinction between libido, desire, and arousal. And libido is, in my, you know, kind of explanation, that's a lot of it is the body-based piece of it. You know, you have to have good good functioning genitals. You have to be lubricated. You have to have erectile function. Both male and females need to have erectile function, et cetera. But then it's like, okay, arousal is really, how do I feel about, I'm sorry, desire is really about how do I feel about my partner and my, how do I feel about myself? It's more the emotional body this mm. that you're, that the you're want. looking at yeah. there for desire. Sure. Do I feel desirable? Do I desire? Mm. Do I have desire? Because if you have libido, then you layer on that desire. So the libido is your life force. It's your creativity. It's your passion. It's your hormone balance. It's, you know, do you have, are you making enough neurotransmitters? Did you get enough serotonin going? in your system. Did it's you sleep that. last night? Right. Did you sleep? Yeah. How's, are you pooing? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And then 
desire is the the component of connection. And then arousal is kind of when you get to the sexual space together or even in solo play where you're taking yourself from relaxation into you know, first you take yourself to relaxation and then you climb up you escalate then you climb up and you escalate into more and more arousal and that's where you start to begin to have things like expanded orgasms so how do we begin to blend the, the three and bring them into concert yeah, I think you look at it similarly to how you would look at mind, body, and spirit. They are uh, three facets of your being emanating from the essence of you. So if you think about libido, you've got to take care of your body. You've got to use high-quality lubricants. You've got to masturbate regularly to keep yourself going. You've got to manage your cortisol levels so that you don't blow out all of your estrogen or your testosterone. Um, you've got to make sure you're pooping and you're sleeping and you're eating nutritious food and all of those kinds of things. That's libido. And libido is also... Not only good nutrition, nutrition, but also exercise, right? Getting your heart pumping. Circulation. Get that blood yeah. moving. So that's one thing. Okay. The second thing is working on your sexuality. I think a lot of people think that they should feel sexy. But you actually cultivate sexy. You, you know, you... you you do the things that make you feel sexy, the way you dress, the way you touch your body. You were t I don't remember which interview it was, but one of your guests, it might have been the most recent interview you did with the doctor that talked about um, how people experience their genitals and what they did with them. Ah, Dr. Sara Nasrzadeh. Yeah. Glad you said it. <laughs> um, she said people don't often touch themselves. They're not, they're not touching themselves. Mm -hmm. And so m more that you touch yourself, full body touch, especially for the feminine. She needs full body touch. She needs all those proprioceptive cells to be stimulated so that she gets that sensual grid turned on. So a lot of it comes from generating sensation, which goes back to the girl boner, which mm. is if you're not getting blood flow, to your genitals, which is called engorgement and also called tumescence. I really love engorgement, like the me word, because it, it to me it really says what happens. Yeah. And the internal clitoris, I love how magical it is that yeah. if you're kissing someone mouth to mouth, mm. that you can turn on the internal clit. Yeah. And orgasms are so much stronger. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I love that. Well, one of the things that I like to give people is the thought that their mouth and their vulva are attached and their mm. ass and that that's an alimentary system. That's a tube. We are tubes, wriggling tubes on this earth. And we are light beings. That tube, the, the, the wrapper of that tube is called the lumen. That's where the light goes through us. Aww, we're we're photosynthesizers. Mm -hmm. You know, we need light. And so the more that you can... Think about connecting your mouth to your genitals. The more that you can think about running your orgasm up through the lumen, the more that you begin to have oral pleasure, both from kissing and give, you know, going down on your partner, the more that that opens you below. Mm -hmm. Because it's actually all a sphincter system. Did you know it? That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Yeah. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. When you get turned on, your eyes dilate yep. because that's a sphincter. Your mouth opens, your throat opens, your yoni opens. Every 
everything opens to pleasure. And it doesn't matter whether you stimulate the bottom or the top. But once you start as a lover connecting the dots, like I don't just feel in my clitoris, I feel in my vulva, I feel in my labia, I feel in my vagina, I feel in my G area, I feel in my perineal sponge, I feel in my perineum, I feel in my anus, I feel in my groin. I feel in my belly, I feel in my abdomen, I feel in my my heart, I feel in my neck, I feel in my sternum, my throat, my lips, my mouth, the tip of my nose. The more that you can begin to connect in your brain, create new neural pathways, new sensations from your body to your brain, and connect those dots up and down, the more you run pleasure and orgasm through your body. I love that imagery. That's, we're basically walking boners. Yeah. Or boners waiting to happen. Yes. Yes. Well, you can be in orgasm all the time. Like an orgasmic state? Yes, you can be in an, in an orgasmic state. You can go to yoga class and have orgasms. You can have orgasms lying in your bed just thinking about things. Quite a few people have orgasms during massage. I get I lots of emails about that because I wrote about it once. And yeah, you do. So yeah, you know what that's course. like. Because as you said, relaxation is the foundation of, of arousal. Yeah. And when you really surrender to that and the touch, it, it can be very orgasmic. You bet. Yeah. Why do you feel it's important to um, make the case for PIV sex, or however we want, we want to phrase it, um, yeah. vaginal intercourse, <laughs> um, because I I do think it's wonderful, and I know that you know a lot of people who who have a vulva they they feel more uh, pleasure externally, and and they don't necessarily experience orgasm through penetration. Um, I personally think it's a it's a wonderful activity, and it can be orgasmic for a lot of people. It can be orgasmic for everyone. Orgasm. Penetration orgasms, orgasms from intercourse, are a learned skill. Some women do them naturally, just like some women ejaculate naturally. But everyone can learn how. All it is is orgasmic cross-training. You just have to understand that you are, there's a number of different components to it. I actually have a whole series on my YouTube channel called Penetration Orgasm, how to achieve penetration orgasm, because it goes from... The room you're in, the trust you have with your partner, the external, you know, I'm not going to get STIs. I'm not going to conceive if I'm not trying to. It goes to that. It goes to the heart connection. It goes to slowing down, being less goal-oriented. It goes to your breath and breathing into your genitals. It goes to the heart connection you have. It goes to getting enough stimulation before penetration, not rushing penetration. So enough Genital massage, enough stimulation and engorgement of all that tissue, getting the blood flowing in all that tissue, having a manual finger massage, having oral before you try penetration, you know, really working your way up. A lot of women, they rush sex. They mm -hmm. just want to have sex and kind of. And by, by sex, I mean intercourse, get it over with or, you know, um, give their partner what their partner wants or what have you. And they don't slow down and take the time to demand the stimulation that they need before having intercourse. Mm. And often they're not sure what they want. And so they don't know what to ask for. So they don't ask for anything because 
Until a woman understands that she's very hormonally cyclical and she's a lunar creature. And so what feels good to her today didn't isn't what she wanted yesterday. And when she has a relationship with her partner where that partner and let's just say they're male bodied and she's female bodied. We'll talk about, you know, heteromonogamous intercourse right now when women are afraid to say to their male partners, you know, do this or do that because their partners have said, oh, I know what I'm doing. You know, don't, you don't need to tell me oh, I got this because he's testosterone dominant. So he thinks he knows what he's doing much more than he actually does. And culturally, too, he probably has learned, you know, they learn to you go for the chase and you have to think with your penis. And it's it, I feel the same way that women are not encouraged to allow themselves to take time. Men are encouraged to go, go, go. You know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, that whole thing. I think that they just, um, it feels so good to them that they can't imagine that it doesn't feel that good to us. And a lot of times when I teach intercourse techniques, thrusting techniques, penetration techniques, stroke techniques, how to give a woman orgasms from intercourse. And it's funny, you were you, you were reading my bio and you said uh, author of 34 books. And I thought, oh, I've written two more since then. My latest two were how to dominate him in the bedroom because women write to me and they say, well, you were always teaching men how to dominate women because the number one thing women ask me is how do I get him to take charge in the bedroom and really give me the adventure I'm looking for? Uh, so I wrote how to, but then they say, you're always teaching men, teach us how to run the bedroom game. So I just did how to ravish him, how to dominate him. And then the one I did just before that was called thrust in time, which is a Taoist thrusting technique for intercourse that really helps women bridge that orgasm gap, really have that orgasm without even clitoral stimulation, just from intercourse. Because if you think about the clitoris, it wraps all the way around. I mean, between the between the clitoral head and the clitoral shaft and the clitoral clitoral <laughs> clitoral mm -hmm. legs, mm -hmm. uh, the crora, and then the the punching bags, the vestibular bulbs, all of that's draping right around the entrance to the vagina. And the vagina has mechanoreceptors at the entrance, which love that stretching feeling and that pressure. Then you've got the G spot, which is not a spot. Of course, mm -hmm. you know that it's yeah. uh, along the top of the vaginal canal and that loves pressure. And then you've got the perineal sponge at the bottom of the vaginal canal that loves pressure. So you've got all this wonderful tissue. And when and it is not only fully engorged, uh, but then it then you stroke it correctly. You don't just stick your dick in and pump up and in, in and out like a porn star, which is men watch entirely too much porn. They are addicted to porn now and they see terrible stuff that's degrading to women. That is the opposite of what women want. Women see it and they think that's what it's supposed to be. And they get they get deeply disappointed you know, in in sex, and it, mm. it it after a while, they don't even want to have they don't want to even have intercourse anymore. Mm. He went too fast; it didn't feel good. She let him rush. That she didn't know to demand engorgement. She didn't understand she had all this structure. She didn't, you know. I mean, it's just kind of like mostly out there in the universe with sex. It's the blind leading the blind, using porn as their guidepost. Right, because it's the accessible thing, <laughs> it's right? Because and and terrible. We should also be learning the difference between mainstream hardcore porn right. and real sex and intimacy because yes. when it's made for the camera, yeah. it's supposed to be entertainment. Yeah. And so, you know, they spend all day making one video, hours and hours and hours. And then when we expect sex to be very quick, you know, and, and I will say I tend have tended to be more on the side of 
I like quick sex. And mm-hmm. and and I do hear from other women too who who have male partners who say that their partner takes too long. Mm-hmm. And for me, one challenge was was learning to um, embrace the full body arousal because mm-hmm. if you do feel a lot of pleasure quickly, it's fun and that's great. But you also miss out on something yeah. by not, as you were saying, the the whole kind of tubular, illuminescent. I don't remember exactly the phrase that you said, but I love this <laughs> idea that we are. We are lit up. Luminous beings. Yes, luminous beings. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. We're luminous beings. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if a woman is able to get the engorgement that she needs, the safety that she needs, and enough actual stimulation from the penis in the right way for her in that moment, if the communication lines are open, and she slows down and she breathes into her pussy and she connects with him with her eyes and he's telling her how beautiful she is and he's encouraging her to orgasm and she's feeling him inside her and she's telling him, go slower, go slower still. Or go deeper or not as deep or give me some short little strokes or can you pull out for a minute? I need to rest. You know, if she essentially teaches him how to make love to her in the way that she needs it in that very moment when the lines are open, when he's he doesn't look at her feedback as failure. He looks at it as the information he needs to give her incredible pleasure. Which is probably what he wants. It like is what he wants. Good partners want that, right? Men want that. They want to please their partners and vice versa. I mean, that's so much a part of, of sex and pleasure is yeah. the turn on of knowing that your partner is turned on and, and aroused and that you're in the state of shared want. It's a, it, That's a beautiful thing. Men will give up their own pleasure to give their woman pleasure. They put her first. A lot, I, I have a program called Multi-Orgasmic Lover for Men. It teaches a stamina technique that you can transmute into becoming a full-body male multiple orgasmic man. You can have male multiple orgasms, full body orgasms. You can separate your ejaculation from your orgasm. So you can just orgasm, 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 and then you can ejaculate when you want to. That's ejaculatory choice. So it's, you've got it, it doesn't have you. Because stamina is the number one issue for guys. Premature ejaculation is their number one issue, and their number two issue erectile is ED. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The, the pacing, it's interesting that pacing can be an issue no matter what your genitalia Mm-hmm. And then also, no matter what your gender, like it's it's um, one of those things to get into a rhythm and to allow yourself that space. I think that's really that's really a beautiful practice to to think: Are we in rhythm together? Yeah. yeah. If, uh, if you're not happy with the pacing, generally in your own relationship, what is a good first step to navigating that and making change? Well, one of the things that happens is that. Men being so goal-oriented and testosterone-dominant, they're very oriented, and because penis and vagina sex feel so good to them, they're very oriented toward getting to that goal. That's that's what they want. And for women, because often it, it ha- they haven't learned how to have orgasms straight up just from intercourse without any clitoral stimulation. Um, and I say again, it is a learner. If you don't do it now, you can learn how to do it with your partner. And once you do that, then you have this wonderful 
male-female bodies made to fit together. There's that deep connection when he's inside you and you're enveloping him and you're kissing and you're totally present with each other and you're riding orgasmic ecstasy together. You're riding those waves of pleasure. And so you're not just having an orgasm, you're in orgasm. Mm -hmm. You're in an orgasmic experience where you're basically coming the whole time he's inside you. That's that's Bliss. If there's a goal, that's <laughs> yeah. the goal. And yeah, that's a doable, achievable yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exciting. And I love that you're saying this is achievable because I think there's also a message we hear that if you have a vulva, you're not going to – there's a fairly good chance that you won't experience orgasm. And if we internalize that, it could keep us – like I think it can become self-fulfilling. I do think you know there are challenges mm-hmm. that – are not our faults, you know, that we need to learn about and and um, navigate and, and, as you said, attend to sexual health and all these things. But I think if people find that so normalized, like, oh, well, of course, <laughs> you know, you might not try. Yeah. And I love that you're giving people that faith and confidence and you're saying, I believe this is possible for you. It is possible. It's possible for every woman to have orgasms from intercourse, to have, ha- learn how to become an ejaculator, to have female ejaculatory experiences and orgasms, to have orgasms from anal sex, to have orgasms from going down on their partner. Sometimes when I'm really turned on, I'll actually um, squirt from my mouth and squirt from my yoni. So I'll ejaculate from the orgasm that I have from fellatio, from going down on my husband. It's so fascinating to me because we also have learned that there are two types of orgasm. (laughs) What are they? Well, they say that there is a clitoral orgasm and a vaginal orgasm, which already is a misnomer because the clitoris is involved in all orgasms pretty much. So, uh, but... I've always believed that there are many more types. And, and when you yeah. talk to people about their own experiences, I've never met someone who said, oh, wow, I've had these throat orgasms. I've met people who have had s- cervical orgasms. Sure. You know, um, thinkgasms, where yeah. you think yourself off. Sure. I think that's all awesome. Nipplegasms, breastgasms, bellygasms. Totally. I have so orgasms from foot rubs. Ah. Especially if my partner is stroking my foot like he strokes his penis, mm-hmm. almost jerking my foot off. It gives me orgasms. Wow. All learned. I didn't have my first orgasm from intercourse till I was 45 years old. Really? Yeah. And then I was like, what? This is awesome. I got to do more kinds of orgasms. Is that what led to your yeah. work? Mm-hmm. Wow. That Most is definitely. fascinating. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm so grateful that you um, are an advocate for pleasure. You yeah. know, that, that you had this, you had decades where you didn't experience that. Yeah, I, I could have I clitoral orgasms. I could have them from, you know, a, some maybe my husband going down on me. If I, I, I've been married almost 30 years. Um, maybe go and I and I have research partners, of course, as well. I'm not just a monodynamic sex expert, right? I have monogamish. I have many. Um, I have many. Diff- I have a wide variety of experiences uh, throughout my lifetime, and and currently of various kinds because I'm always, like I said, I'm a, I'm research orgasm, You're studying. Yeah. right? So I want to know what the potential is for everyone, mm-hmm. and I'm no different than anybody else. I'm not special. I just learned how. Yeah. And then I, that's why I like to teach people. Like the minute the minute I heard that you could have an orgasm from your throat, I'm like, oh, I got to do that one. <laughs> so now you know it and now you can try it. 
And I have a whole series on my YouTube videos uh, that I just launched. I get dressed up in a Bavarian barmaid outfit because that's a look for me, August. I love that you do these costumey things. Yeah, why not? It's silly. And that's my blowjob series. So I always do blowjobs in a Bavarian barmaid outfit. (laughs) So I just dropped my deep throat one and all these things with even more detail on it. That's really funny. I was just thinking about my recent Halloween costume is a foot with a bunion because I did this whole heel-free experiment with myself. And I was just thinking about your footgasm and how I could be an orgasmic foot with a bunion. Great. I don't know. That would would take some practice. Would you be willing to weigh in for a listener? Yes. Okay, great. So I'm going to read the question. We'll hear from Dr. Megan Fleming. I would love to hear your thoughts. I always like to hear what Dr. Megan Fleming says. Oh, beautiful. I do too. Uh, So this question comes from Miriam, who wrote this. My fiancé and I had a great sex life for the first year of dating, though I've always been on the higher side. We've been together five years and will be getting married soon. I've noticed that he's been less interested in sex since the beginning, even though I know that this isn't uncommon, especially after listening to Girl Boner, and I have a best friend who relates having a higher drive than her husband. I worry that he finds me less attractive than before. Like, maybe I seemed hot and exciting at first, and now he's either bored or less turned on because I'm not exactly 25 anymore. When I asked him if he still enjoys sex, he said, of course he does. Can't I tell? And I can, but I would like to feel more wanted. Can't he initiate? I haven't asked him that because doesn't that defeat the purpose? I want it to be his idea, not just initiate because I asked him to. Since we're going to be married soon, I also thought that honeymoon bliss time would be when he wants me like crazy and vice versa. What if our wedding night is just another night? Sorry for rambling. I love your podcast. I would love to hear what you think um, about all of this, if possible, Miriam. Miriam, thank you so much for your question. You absolutely did not ramble. I'm I'm grateful that you trusted us with this, and I, I'm sure that people relate. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Miriam, thanks so much for this question. You know, it's interesting, You're, as you are aware, not alone, um, that a number of women do have higher libido than their partner. And it just seems that you're really paying attention to this much earlier than, you know, some people may necessarily even be aware, which I always think is a great opportunity because you don't want to get into bad habits, right? Because what I know about this is... A lot of feelings come up when there's the mismatch or what we call discrepant levels of desire. The higher libido partner like yourself is not uncommon that they don't feel wanted or desired. And over time, how that can, in a sense, be a slippery slope and potentially erode self-confidence and self-esteem. And the lower libido partner, typically, even though they don't want to be in control, they ultimately are in control of the sexual relationship. Um, And they often are potentially getting to a place where they feel that it's more about sex than about them or the connection. And so there's a real opportunity for dialogue and conversation um, because these are the couples that I really love helping the most, really helping them recognize what, of course, first of all, makes perfect sense that, you know, all characteristics like intelligence or attractiveness or sexual desire, they sort of fall on what we call a bell curve distribution. And because of testosterone, it's true that generally men do have higher sexual interests from an endocrine hormonal perspective. But again, there's there's men in the lower half or on the tails of that distribution, just like there are women on the higher end of the distribution. So I often see it's most common to find couples where there is a level of mismatched desire. And so the important piece is that 
you recognize what's normal about this. And it's just the fact that there's a difference that you're both trying to negotiate. And that, you know, when he says he's enjoying sex and can't you tell, it's great that you notice that he is, right? This is so important when I'm working with mismatched desire is that, you know, sometimes um, we, for our partner, get ourselves in the mood, but that ultimately, exactly, we want to know it's, it's, about pleasure for both of you. So I really remind the Lord Desire Partner of that all the time, that they have to own their own pleasure too. And so it refers to what I often call like your inner sexy pilot light. Like he's got a responsibility for his own pleasure and keeping that pilot light on because typically the little beta partner, sex is kind of not on the radar. Um, they're not necessarily even thinking about it. And so it's important to realize even though he doesn't have what you're wanting, that spontaneous desire, that he, like many, both men and women, typically have have what we refer to as responsive desire, meaning it's not on the radar, they're not thinking about it. But if they're open and receptive or willing to sort of touch, it's sort of through the body, sort of the caressing of the hair or uh, kissing of the neck that the body's like, oh, that feels good. And then the arousal kicks in and through the arousal, then the desire. So it's important to recognize and help him right, know that too, that for both men and women, the interest for sex doesn't always come from a place of wanting. That responsive desire is an important piece to cultivate for both of you. And, you know, another part you're saying is you don't want to let him know that you're wanting him to initiate more because in a sense that defeats the purpose. And this, what I can say to you is this where I feel like women shoot themselves in their foot, foot all the time because just because you have to ask for something, if it helps you to get it, if it helps you to get what you truly want and desire, you're getting it. So don't let the having to ask or prompt get in the way of your having ultimately what you most want. And just knowing that um, this is a process and, you know, here you are thinking about your honeymoon and your wedding night as, you know, most, if not all, um, couples do. But I think it's important to recognize it is going to be in part what you want it to be. First of all, expectations in some ways always get in the way. Um, but it's also about what you make time for and prioritize. Because when it comes to a wedding night being another night, I can tell you in experience, a lot of couples actually are so exhausted, they don't even consummate or have sex on their wedding night. So if that's something important, um, you know, can you carve out, like, I don't know what time your wedding is or the reception, but, you know, is there time earlier you guys can steal away? Um, or can you, you know, retire earlier and then meet everybody out? Maybe it's a change of clothes or something like that. But you have to express your heart's desire and both of you paint the picture of what you would like it to look like. And then how would you both need to show up? What actions would you need to take to make that happen? So I want you to know that um, this is something that couples are able to successfully resolve and find a sex life that works for both. And as always, can't wait to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Uh, Dr. Megan also followed up with a quick idea that she has that she's going to be offering for anyone who wants to learn more about desire and specifically mismatched desire. Miriam, so I really just want to sort of close by saying I'm very inspired by this question because honestly, this is probably the majority of the couples that I see in my practice, right, that are experiencing and challenged by mismatched levels of sexual desire. And so I've actually been thinking about creating uh, a course, a, sort of a combination of a small group experience and self and or self-study. So 
for anybody out there listening, if you'd be interested in hearing more or, you know, being a part of sort of a focus group as I create this program, I would love to hear from you. So if you could please reach out to me on my contact page at greatlifegreatsex.com. I would love to speak with you and can't wait to share more in the near future. Thank you again, Megan. I love what she said about being proactive about what your wants and needs are. One thing that I really heard in Miriam's question was even even perhaps more than frequency was this desire to feel wanted. Mm-hmm. What would you share with Miriam? Well, one of the things that I think was interesting was that she felt that his lack of interest was something wrong with her. And that's what women do. If you flip that to the man and he was with a woman who had low, lower desire, he would say it was her problem, not mm-hmm. his. She said it was her problem, not her, not her husband or her fiance's. And, and so you really have to look at that and say, it's, first of all, it's just a combination of things. And my recommendations would be a, a couple things. Action. Here's my action plan. The first thing is, number one, get his testosterone checked because he could have some pretty low testosterone for his age. The second thing is that he could have grown up in a household that was very stoic, very unloving, no good models for sexuality. He is probably the kind of a guy who really never got a good sexual education, nor did he go out and seek one. He might have a little bit of shame. He might have some shame around his penis. Um, He might have shame around his body. Um, And he probably also has um, very limited knowledge. So he's working from shame, fear, lack of testosterone, all these things. And he knows he's letting her down. I think the two of them should schedule play dates. That way, she doesn't have to necessarily initiate. It's just on the books and they show up. And that goes to uh, the responsive desire, right? You get together and then you relax and then you start to connect with each other and then you realize you love each other and then, and then that begins the arousal ladder. But when you begin by scheduling sex to learn how to do new things together, you're incrementing your sexual knowledge, you're gaining sexual confidence. And so maybe learning how to give and receive genital massages, give and receive oral pleasuring, trying new sex positions, doing some role play, having sex in different places in the house. These are five really good types of scheduled sex dates that you can have. Because if he's coming from fear, ignorance, and shame, then these are going to help him gain more confidence. So Miriam, don't take it on as a personal failure, please. Every time you start thinking about that, let that go. It's not you. Uh, number two, what's wrong with you initiating sex if you're the high desire partner? It You want him and then he'll want you and he loves you and he's marrying you. Mm-hmm. Don't not do that just because you think it's not your role. He'll learn how to initiate by seeing you do it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those things that when we have those vulnerable conversations, it's so strengthening, but it, people are so scared to have them. And I understand mm. that. But when we do, it, it just can be so incredible what it does to your physical intimacy, your emotional intimacy. Yeah. And, and I love that you were really giving her permission to say, you know, this is not a problem with you. And also, it's okay to be the one who initiates. Because yeah. I think we also learned that women are not supposed to be the initiators. Before we wrap up, I would love to hear some of your top tips for making sex better. You're so passionate about having more pleasure in the bedroom. 
Well, uh, making sex better, I think, often is slowing down, communicating, breathing, eye contact, understanding that arousal begins with relaxation, understanding that you're always incrementing your knowledge, having those erotic play dates together, scheduling sex, putting a commitment to your personal sexual growth on the on the table, along with your own personal development and professional development. It's a major part of your sexuality. So I think just even listening to Girl Boner Radio is a big part of you taking action toward owning your sexuality, nurturing it, and incrementing your knowledge Mm -hmm. and pleasure. I hope so. Thank you for saying that. I No, you have a wonderful free gift, which is so generous. Would you tell us a little bit about Steamy Sex Ed, Five Steamy Sex Techniques? Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, It's essentially a compendium of a number of different techniques, such as a breast massage master plan that teaches you and your partner how to give the most incredibly relaxing, erotic, pleasurable breast massage. Mm. Because again, if it's if you have a masculine partner, he's going right for your frickin nipples right away because he's goal oriented. So he wants to turn you on. So he starts to twiddle the knobs right away. He never touches the bottom of your breast or your sternum, your collarbone, all these wonderful erogenous places on the female body. So the breast massage game plan is in there. Um, There's um, a butterfly warm-up technique for women for self-pleasuring that has about four steps to solo play that help you have much more intense pleasure from your own self-pleasuring. Oh, gosh, there's, um, oh, there's some erotic play date ideas in there. There's so many things in there. I can't even remember. I, you know, like I've written 34 books, now 35, did I say? Track, or, isn't it? I can't even do I, <laughs> a lot. Des, who works with me, she just keeps track of all the books I write. <laughs> that, that's an incredible amount of, of books. And yeah. it, and it's not like you started writing them, you know, decades ago. Yeah, You're, 15 years ago, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. So if people want to learn more about you, yeah. tell us where they can find you. Well, uh on Instagram, I'm at Susan Bratton, S-U-S-A-N-B-R-A-T-T-O-N. And then on YouTube, my channel is called the is called Better Lover. So you can just go to betterlover.com and it'll take you right to my silly YouTube channel with all kinds of great advice for from deep throating blowjobs to penetration orgasms to sexual energy to in and beyond costumes. in crazy costumes. Wonderful. Um, I just did uh, one of the videos I just dropped was in police uniform and that was how to choose a sex toy, how to choose a vibrator. That was good. Um, so Better Lover at Susan Bratton and then my... My main website, which has thousands of articles you can search on pretty much any sexual topic, is Personal Life Media. Personal Life Media, all one word, dot com. Those, those are probably my three best resources. Awesome. And I'll mm-hmm. be sure to share some of the links down in the show notes. Yeah. So definitely check those out, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today, Susan. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to finally meet you. I love your show. It's been great to be oh, on. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And again, your enthusiasm and you bring a very unique spark to this realm. And I, I see why you naturally gravitated toward video because you're a very wonderfully <laughs> animated person. I've been gazing at your dress and it's not even a costume. So thank <laughs> Thank you again for being here and, and for um, spreading the word about pleasure. It's yeah. important. Thank you. Spread the pleasure. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please hit subscribe in your app if you haven't yet and leave us a rating and review. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. 
Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast brand movement and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com. <laughs> <laughs>